I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ram fans, this is Rams Up, your favorite L.A. Rams podcast. We are proud members of the Fans First Sports Network. That's fansfirstsports.com. You can also follow us on YouTube. Our channel is at L.A. Rams Up. I'm your host, Mark. You'll hear from my co-host, Tom, on occasion as well. Hey, we're not Rams insiders. We're just longtime fans who love talking about our Los Angeles Rams. Let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 354. I'll kick it off by talking about a player who wore number 54. Remember outside linebacker Mike Wilcher? Drafted by the Rams out of North Carolina, 1983, second round, the 36th pick overall. Broke into the starting lineup in 1984 and manned that outside linebacker position for the Rams through 1990. Led the Rams with 12 and a half sacks in 1985. He ended his Ram career with 400 tackles, 38 and a half sacks, and four interceptions. I'd have to say Wilcher was a pretty good linebacker, but the Rams had high hopes for him. As I remember it, they felt he could be the next Lawrence Taylor when they drafted him, or a player similar to Lawrence Taylor. Hey, if you think you're drafting a guy in the second round and he's the next Lawrence Taylor, that's probably a little bit of wishful thinking there. But bottom line is Rams had really high hopes for Wilcher. He turned out to be a decent player, but never really got to where the Rams hoped he would, in my opinion. Hey, I haven't had any sports pet peeves in a while, but an old one popped up the other day and a new one occurred to me. You all saw the Chiefs fumble through the Bills' end zone in that playoff game, and the result is the Bills get the ball at the 20. Now, I addressed this in a sports pet peeve a couple years ago, saying that ball should still belong to the Chiefs in that situation. Maybe they get the ball at the 10, loss of down, maybe the 20 even. I don't know, but to hand it over to the other team is really foolish in my opinion. And I had the understanding the NFL was going to review that rule and possibly make a change. And my guess is they are going to change that by next season, but I could be wrong on that. And my new sports pet peeve is this. Now, this didn't occur over this weekend, but it did occur several times during the season. Intentional grounding in situations where the quarterback and the wide receiver are not on the same page Receiver breaks left, the ball's thrown right, and there is a pass rush, so they call intentional grounding. And by rule, the way the rule is written, that makes sense. It's correct. Reading from NFL.com, it is a foul for intentional grounding if a passer facing an intimate loss of yardage because of pressure 
from the defense throws a forward pass without a realistic chance of completion. Now, in the situation I just described, there is not a realistic chance of completion if the wide receiver is breaking left and the pass is throwing right. Okay, I get it. But maybe we just change the name of this rule, intentional grounding. It's the wrong name, sorry. And that's what has people confused. In this situation, the quarterback is not intentional grounding. He's just on a different page than his receiver. Go ahead, call the penalty. That's what you want to do. It's really difficult for referees to make an assessment if it's on purpose or not. But just change the name. It's not intentional grounding. I don't know what you want to call it, but find another name for it or change the rule. Hey, I keep track of Sean McVay's success against various teams. And with the 2023 season in the books, let's take a look at his record. His playoff record, seven wins and four losses. Let's summarize it. In 2017, he lost to Atlanta in the first round. 2018, they beat the Cowboys, the Saints, and then lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. 2019, no playoffs. 2020, they beat Seattle and then lost to Green Bay. In 2021, they beat Arizona, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, and Cincinnati to win the Super Bowl. 2022, no playoffs. In 2023, they lost to Detroit. So there's a pattern here. A relatively early loss in the playoffs, followed by a Super Bowl appearance, followed by missing the playoffs entirely. We are in the third such cycle, which would mean next year we go to the Super Bowl. We can only hope. Looking at teams that McVeigh has done well against, 10-5 and against Seattle, 13-2 and against Arizona, has never lost to the Giants, 4-0 there, 4-2 against the Saints, and 3-0 against the Colts. Teams he has struggled against, you know, it's not as bad as you would think against the 49ers, 5 wins, 10 losses. He's also 1-3 against the Eagles. And there are still 4 teams he has never beaten. And that's not going to change next year either, unless it's in the Super Bowl. That would be the Bills, Jets, Dolphins, and Steelers. Four teams he has never beaten. 0-2 against the Bills. One loss to the Jets and one loss to the Dolphins and two losses to the Steelers. He has a winning percentage against the AFC and the NFC. Pretty similar. 62% against the NFC. 61% against the AFC. Over 70% against the NFC West, North, and South. Just 60% against the East. Only blemish 2022, 5-12, but we can assign that to injuries for the most part. Now, Ian, Paul, and Tom and I have already discussed what we think the Rams need to do between now and the start of the 2024 season. I'm going to come back in a moment with my hack at the same topic, position by position, what the Rams need to get done to return to the Super Bowl. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
The 2023 season is behind us, and it's time to start thinking about 2024. No looking back. What do the Rams need to get done between now and opening day 2024? Some of these things are going to have to get done well before that, actually. But you get my point. What are our areas of concern? And I'm going to go through each position group. Now, we touched on a lot of this over our last two roundtables episodes with Paul, Ian, and Tom, but I'm going to go through this one more time by myself, try to capture everything I'm thinking in a 10-12 minute segment here. We'll start with the quarterback. Obvious question is, who is our backup quarterback next year? Can we afford to bring Carson Wentz back? Did he do enough for another team to give him a shot as a starting quarterback? What's the deal with Stetson Bennett? Is he going to be ready to go when training camp rolls along? And is he a valid backup to Matthew Stafford? You know what? I didn't ask the question. A lot of people are already starting to ask, is Matthew Stafford retiring? Is he coming back? Not even going to go there. He's coming back. Got to figure out what's going on with the backup position, though, because not addressing that at the beginning of the 2023 season cost us a couple of wins, or at least potential wins. At running back, Ronnie Rivers really liked what he got done when he had his chances. He's a really good rotational guy when you have Kyron Williams there. And we know Kyron Williams, his style of play, he tends to get banged up. Rivers is an exclusive rights free agent, so I can't imagine the Rams are going to let him slip away. Didn't find out enough about Zach Evans. Maybe he's a viable option. Only people inside that Rams clubhouse knows the answer to that. I certainly don't. And I haven't heard anything from these Rams insiders that would indicate one way or another if Zach Evans can be that guy. I feel the same way about Zach Evans right now as I did about Kyron Williams a year ago. So, hey, so, hey, maybe Zach Evans is an awesome running back and will fit this style really well. Can't really say, though. But you know what? I tend to agree with my special assistant who knows everything but prefers to remain anonymous Draft a running back every year. What about the wide receivers? We really have some questions there. DeMarcus is a free agent. Do we bring him back? Liked what he got done. He was a real contributor at the end. And what's going on with Cooper Cup? I know he wasn't at 100%. Will he ever be at 100% though? My gut feeling is that he just despises playing on artificial turf, but that's not going to change playing at SoFi. But the fact that DeMarcus is a free agent, Cooper Cup, questions if he's ever going to be the receiver that we saw win the Triple Crown. Hey, maybe we need to draft a wide receiver. Tight ends. Well, you know, this injury to Tyler Higby really complicates that. Davis Allen and Hunter Long still on the fold. So we're okay there. If Tyler Higby comes back, We're in really good shape. Clearly, none of these guys are a real true difference maker at the position. Hey, maybe Davis Allen will turn out to be. We'll see. But I think we're okay at that position with or without Tyler Higbee, though. But it's not going to be a point of strength, that's for sure. The offensive line. We finally got it squared away, and we saw what can happen with this offense when we got it squared away. But Kevin Dotson is a free agent. Got to get him re-signed. Alaric Jackson, a restricted free agent. So even if we draft a left tackle of the future, I think we retain Alaric Jackson. My guest the other day, Scott Richmond, had the idea of 
retaining Alaric Jackson and making him the swing tackle guard after drafting a left tackle of the future and moving on from Joseph Noteboom. Is Logan Press ever going to play for the Rams? That's another question. There's going to be some shuffling, going to be some changes along this offensive line. Now, there are some other pieces there. Brian Allen is still on this roster. Now, a point of confusion has been Coleman Shelton's contract status. Now, he is a free agent. He signed a two-year contract, but the second year of that contract would be voided if he played 55% of the Rams' offensive snaps this past year, and he did. So Coleman Shelton is indeed a free agent, and he could draw a lot of interest from other teams. Got to get it squared away, though. Ideally, if it were me... We'd spend a high draft pick on a left tackle, find a way to keep Alaric Jackson if we can, though, and hopefully re-sign Dotson. There's some other free agent guards out there, and we could probably find a good guard in the third or fourth round, but hey, we thought we found a good guard in Logan Press when we drafted him, so there's that. Our defensive line, our love our core, but we still need another difference maker, And remember, I pointed this out way back when Ashawn Robinson and Greg Gaines both left on one-year deals. Would not be surprised if one of them came back. Bobby Brown's got to stay healthy. We'll probably need to spend a draft pick on an interior defensive lineman as well, preferably a big run-stopper nose tackle type. On the edge, you know, we got lots of guys that are promising. Byron Young, Nick Hampton. Ushan Mathis, I'm not sure if I'd call him promising at this point, but we have guys in the house. Problem is, I don't like the idea of just going out and drafting another first or second round edge rusher because you never quite know. I'd rather we went out and got an established guy, someone like Brian Burns, if they don't franchise tag him. Michael Hoyt does some nice things for this defense, but he's not the answer off the edge. Got to improve that position somehow, some way. Inside linebacker, there's Ernest Jones, but after that, no one to really get excited about. Roseboom and Reeder and Hummel were all serviceable, all did an admiral job, but we could certainly improve that group. I just don't know in this defense if it's worth spending a high draft pick on. We just got to hit it in the fifth or sixth round with an inside linebacker. And there were some guys that didn't get drafted last year that are performing well in the NFL, guys that I liked. Guys like Ivan Pace, who signed with the Vikings over 100 tackles, but didn't happen for the Rams. Quarterback is a position I wish we could have addressed this past year. We're definitely going to have to focus on it in 2024. Witherspoon is a free agent. Then you have the three youngsters, Tomlinson, Durant, Kendrick, Quentin Lake playing the slot. Man, we need to beef that up. I don't think we can head into 2024 with Durant and Kendrick. Can we spend the money on Witherspoon as a number one cornerback? This is a position I think we need to use a high draft pick on. Maybe go out and get a top-line free agent. We have to improve the cornerback group for sure. At safety, we were okay, but now Jordan Fuller and John Johnson are both free agents. So that could potentially leave us with Russ Yeast and Jason Taylor, we know that's not going to happen. The Rams have been really good at drafting safeties late. They'll probably use a late pick on another safety. Maybe try to retain Fuller. Maybe retain Fuller and Johnson. I don't think they're going to be super expensive. 
but that's clearly an area of concern what's going to happen with our safety group. Special teams, wow, we need a lot of work there. We clearly need a new kicker. Need to figure that out. Hey, Greg Zerline's a free agent. And we're probably going to have to go out and hire a new coach. This unit was just not getting it done. Generationally poor across the board. I still say Ethan Evans is okay. No problem with him. Rookie punter. He was getting pressured a lot. Getting rid of the ball quickly. Booming it, but maybe a little lacking directionally. But kicker and special teams coach, two needs for sure. And then finally, is Raheem Morris going to get hired elsewhere? Very possible. I'd call it 50-50 right now. A lot of these teams just go through the motions, interviewing a bunch of guys. Hard to say if Raheem is going to get hired. Five interview requests already out there for Morris. The Chargers, Commanders, Falcons, Panthers, and the Seahawks. If he did get hired, well, we need a new D.C., that's clear. By the way, our defensive line coach, Eric Henderson, has left for USC. So there's going to be a shakeup there. Maybe he knows Morris is leaving. Maybe that's a clue there. You know, if Brandon Staley hadn't really muddied his resume while coaching for the Chargers, did a crazy good job while the D.C. for the Rams, but not sure I'd want him back at this point. He has really lost a lot of cred. And when you lose cred, hey, players are aware of it just as much as we are. So I'm not sure he's a really valid option. So the Rams possibly needing a new DC, and I have no idea who the candidates might be at this point. That's my 12, 12 things that the Rams have to focus on. Probably going to be a lot more, actually. We'll revisit this topic on occasion during free agency and after the draft, have a couple roundtables on the topic. Always a fun discussion. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget about our YouTube channel. Our handle is at laramsup.com. Till next time, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there.